Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? This is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking to the church in Rome. He had never visited Rome, by the way, but he did have contacts there. One of the few churches that he didn't start himself. Just fun fact. But he's speaking to the church in Rome when he says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of these words. And I pray with our worship today that we would stay focused on you to bring you glory. Thank you for a beautiful day. We ask and pray right now, if there's anything in our life that does not honor you, we ask for forgiveness, for your cleansing and your mercy through Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today we continue uh, on the chosen, on our series on the chosen, and our message today is entitled, When God Says Yes. When God Says Yes. Three years ago in 2020, uh, remember the, there was a pandemic? I preached a sermon entitled, When God Says No. And then last, because it's hard to accept sometimes when God says no. Last week, I shared with you a beautiful scene out of The Chosen where Jesus decides not to heal one of his own disciples. That was little James. And uh, he experienced what it was like for Jesus to say no. The answer was no. And when God says no, it's never against you. It's always for you. In fact, that's the passage that I just read. It says, what then shall we say in response to this if God is for us? And what Paul is saying is God is for us. I want you to know today God is for you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to condemn you. Now, the condemnation that we have, other than from this world, is the result of our own sin that we bring the condemnation on ourselves. God is not out to get you. He loves you. He is for you. And he wants you to succeed. Not only in this life, but he wants you to have joy and success in the life to come. So he says, if God is for us, which of course he is, who can be against us? Which is also beautiful because when we think about those who are against us in this world, and there are many out there that are against Christians, Always has been, always will be, but they can't stand against us. If it's a government, they can't stand against us. You know why? Because we have the Holy Spirit in our life, the presence of the Almighty God by the grace of God through the blood of Christ, and nothing, the very gates of hell cannot stand against that, the Bible says. And so I'm thankful for that, and I love that passage. In fact, he says in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. God loved us so much that he even gave his son up for us. That's how much he's for you and not against you. Then he says, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now, that doesn't mean he's going to give you a new Ferrari or a new pickup or whatever, whatever you like in, in life. That's not what he's talking about. All things is way beyond that kind of thing. So as we, we, we think back, and as I think back, I shared last week, sometimes God says no. But then I started thinking this week after, after that sermon, you know, sometimes God says yes. So, so I thought I would inject this message to be fair, to give a little bit of balance. 
What happens when God says yes? I want you to know, first of all, that God does say yes. Not every time. Again, it's according to his will. Last week, the character that placed Jesus in the chosen, he said to, uh, to his disciple, little, little James, he said, you know, sometimes God heals and sometimes he chooses not to heal. He said, these things are a mystery to us now. And he's right. There are a lot of things that God chooses to do or not allow to happen in this world that are a mystery to me. I can't give you the why. I don't know his full plan. I can't see ahead in your life a week, let alone a year or a decade or a thousand years or a million years. I don't know what God's plan is for you specifically. I know the where and I know the who. It's, his name is Jesus Christ. But I, I don't know what God's plan is for you and through you. And sometimes it may be perfect health and sometimes it may not be. Sometimes the answer is no, like it was last week. But sometimes his answer is yes. So how do we deal with that when God says Yes, you might be surprised it's more challenging to deal with a yes than you may think. If I were to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not, with the question, has God ever answered your prayer? I think most everyone surely would raise their hand. There has been a time for all of you at one time or another when God answers your prayer. And I would say that most of you would say God answers your prayers all the time. Even if it's not the answer that you want, God still answers your prayer. Or if I said, have you ever asked for healing for yourself or for someone else? Most of you would say, yes. I remember there was a time, not every time, but there was a time where I was praying for someone or praying for myself and God delivered us. God delivered me. Or if I asked you if God ever says yes and actually healed you or your loved ones, um, that what was the result in your life when God said yes? What happened the next day, the next month, the next year? Now, in the New Testament, there were many times where Jesus did not heal everyone. We know he singled out the crippled man, for example, at the Pool of Siloam. And healed him. What a powerful scene that was in Scripture and in the Chosen series. It's just a beautiful scene. But there were probably other people at the Pool of Siloam that day that he did not heal. At his hometown in Nazareth, when Jesus went there, it says, the Bible says specifically that he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so sometimes God doesn't heal, not because of God but because of us. If we don't have any faith that God's going to do it, don't expect him to do it against our faith or our lack of faith. So sometimes God says yes, and sometimes he says no. We have, a, we have about 75 records of Jesus healing in the New Testament. Although on multiple occasions, he would heal large groups of people. They would come from by the hundreds or even by the thousands to be healed. He was known as a healer, and so they would line up from Early in the morning to late at night, he would just do healing after healing after healing after healing. So there were some times and some days where it was always yes. In other words, Jesus chose when and who he would heal. So sometimes he said no, sometimes yes. So it calls me to wonder, when we, when we experience God saying yes to us, how do we respond to his yes? 
I think that's important because if you're going to go out today or even this morning before we're done and you're going to ask God for something, if he says yes, there are ways you should respond and ways you should not respond. And if you respond in the wrong way, you may not get another yes. So listen closely because that happened in the Bible. Number one, these are just from my heart, from reading these passages, when God says yes, accept it. When God says yes, accept it. And you may be thinking, well, that's silly. Of course I'll accept it. Well, really? I'm going to show you a passage where they didn't accept it. Where Jesus said yes, and they really struggled with his yes. Now, it happened a number of times. Jesus healed a demoniac. If you remember that, he had a bunch of demons in him. And so he cast out the demons and sent them into a bunch of pigs. The pigs hurled themselves down into the Sea of Galilee and they all died. But this demoniac, this man was redeemed that day. He was in his right mind for the first time. All the villagers came out and they saw this guy in his right mind, healed completely. They immediately said to, to Jesus, you need to get out of town. We want you to leave. Why? Because Jesus put them in the pigs and their pigs died. <laughs> they were more concerned about their pigs than they were about this guy. That's not a very gracious yes. Jesus said, yes, I'll heal you. And they did not take it. Very, they didn't accept it. That's not what I was going to share with you. That's just a bonus passage there. In John chapter 11, in fact, I was, I was a part of a memorial service this week uh, for one of our members. His wife passed away and and uh, Bob, uh, Bob Soto, thank you, his dear wife, Linda, passed away several weeks ago. And she's in heaven rejoicing right now. She was a woman of rock-solid faith. And so is Bob as well. But his son was sharing his testimony at the, the uh, memorial service. And he mentioned John 11. And I thought, you know, that's an interesting passage. He didn't mention this part of it. But it caused me to think about when Jesus says, yes, some people struggle to accept it. As you remember, uh, Jesus had decided to resurrect Lazarus before he even died. He had a conversation with his disciples as soon as they found out Lazarus was sick. But he delayed, he waited because he wanted to, them to see the glory of God. And I think it was important for Jesus that they understand that Jesus was more than a Messiah. He was God incarnate. Because only God has the power to raise the dead. And they didn't get that yet. Even his staunchest of followers didn't really fully understand the nature of his power. And actually, by that time, he had already resurrected a couple of other people from the dead. The widow's son, Jairus' daughter, uh, he had resurrected both of them. But that was on the day of their death, only hours after they died. This guy had been in the tomb for four days when Jesus shows up for the funeral. Now, their funerals lasted a long time back then, for days or even weeks. And so it's day number four, the mourners are there, and he has two sisters. And by the way, Lazarus was a personal friend of Jesus. He had, he had friends, just like you and I have friends, and Lazarus would, would have been one of his closest friends and dearest friends. So is Mary and Martha, his sisters. So Jesus arrives there, Martha comes out, and she says to Jesus that famous line, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. A few minutes later, he's going to have a conversation, brief though it is, with Mary. Mary comes out and says exactly the same. If only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And what they mean by that is you're too late. You could have done something then before he's dead, 
but you can't do anything now because he's dead. In fact, it's not even the first day of his death. Now he's really, really dead and it's just beyond your ability. That, that's their assumption that they're making, both Mary and Martha. In fact, he has this conversation with Martha. Do you remember it? Is it me? Is it me, Lord? I'm actually looking at Chris, but all right. Get some clicks there. And so he, he's on his way. Martha comes out and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Jesus immediately gives her a yes because he knows what they're all thinking in their heart. I wish he could be alive. When our loved ones pass away, we all think the same thing. I would love to see them pop up out of that casket. And so before they can even ask that question, Jesus says to Martha, yes. He gives her a yes answer. He immediately says, you, your brother will rise again. Just tells her point blank, he's going to rise again. She misinterprets what he says and she says, yes, Lord, I, I get it. He's going to rise again at the resurrection on the last day because they had a theology very much like our own. They just didn't understand it in the fullness of Christ. We know from the New Testament that the dead in Christ will rise first, the Bible says. And those of us who are still alive and are believers in Christ will join together with them and be caught up together with them in the air to go be with Jesus forever. Now, I can't explain that. Don't ask me about the physics of how that's going to happen. But I'm going to fly away. I believe it because the Bible says it and I look forward to that. Amen? Amen. All right. And so... He says this to her, your brother's going to rise again. She's been hearing it for four days. And she says, yeah, 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 I know the, the last day at the resurrection on the last day. Jesus then gently rebukes her. And he says, basically, he's saying, Martha, you don't understand. He immediately responds and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you remember that? What a great response. She says, I know we'll see him at the resurrection. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm the resurrection. In other words, Jesus is saying what? You don't have to wait. Martha, you don't have to wait. I'm going to take care of business right here, right now, today. She still didn't believe. Still didn't believe. We're going to find that out in just a second. But he, he is there with all the rest of them. Mary comes out. She's just crying. She doesn't really say but one sentence to him. If only you'd been here. And she falls at his feet and is crying. And that's that famous passage where it says Jesus wept. He saw everybody crying. He was moved. He was very empathetic. He understood our, our people's hearts and their hurt. And even though they were going to be rejoicing, he stayed there for a little while and wept with them. I find that wonderful. I just, this is very dear and personal. And then he goes to the tomb. He says to Martha, what? Roll away the stone. Because he knew in order for Lazarus to come out, there's a little logistical problem. He didn't want Lazarus beating on the tomb door trying to get out of there. So he tells him to roll away the stone. Martha, after being told now twice by Jesus, he's going to be resurrected. She says, no, Lord, if you open up the tomb, you're going to get a bad smell. She didn't believe his Yes. He said yes, then he said it again, and she still is struggling to accept Christ's yes. Now, when God says yes to you, do you struggle accepting that yes? So when God says yes, accept it. Number two, when God says yes, celebrate. When God says yes, celebrate. Since the very first season of The Chosen, Mary Magdalene has had two friends in the, the season of The Chosen. Uh, their names are Shula and Barnaby, who were an interesting couple. She was blind and he was crippled. 
And together they made it work out. <laughs> and God pulls, uh, brings people together sometimes just like that. My wife is strong where I'm weak and I'm strong where she's weak. So uh, she's afraid of everything and I'm fearless to the point of having no sense at all. And so she taps me on the leg and tells me that I'm going entirely too fast. And so God does that. He, he works that out. And so he works it out with these two characters. Now, we don't know these people that they existed or that they were followers or friends of Mary Magdalene. Are they, they're not in scripture, are they? I don't remember them in scripture, but I can tell you this. It brings up an interesting point. Most of the people that Jesus healed and met, we don't know. Of all those hundreds or even thousands that came lined up, we don't know any of them. We only have just a very few, about 75, that, that mentions that Jesus... By the way, do you know the most common healing that he did in Scripture? There's a little trivia fact for you. It was blindness. He healed the blind more than anybody else. Or it just mentions that. But he healed them of all kinds of things. And uh, most of those people we don't know. In fact, on the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection of Jesus, he told his disciples to stay there in Jerusalem, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So they waited there for several weeks. And finally, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They were in an, in an upper room when all of that happened. And, the, and the, the Spirit descended on them. How many were there? Do you remember? It was 120. I believe it was 120. We only know of the 12 disciples and a few of the ladies there were people there of the, the original church. We never see their names. We don't know anything about them. And so there were people all in the story of Jesus that we don't know. Now, again, ask me in 100 years, I'll tell you. But you won't have, you won't have to ask me in 100 years. We'll get to see them. We'll get to meet them. Somebody's going to come up to you in heaven and they'll say, I was one of the 120. How about that? I look forward to meeting them. And so these two people were an example, perhaps, of people that knew Jesus and were healed by Jesus and were followers. So in the end, we're going to see these loyal followers. And in, in this scene, we're going to see the answer of Jesus is yes. Watch this. I can never decide what is more fun. Watching you do the miracles or watching the reaction? Uh, the miracles are so much better when the Pharisees are around. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We need to get you to a new place. Is there a camp we should take you to? Or do you want to stay at Simon's again? Probably best to get you to a new place. Maybe with Andrew? I think it would be best. Why did we stop? It's him. Barnaby, we don't need to bother. It's fine, Shula. I'm grateful you brought Barnaby here for the healing of his leg. No, I brought her. She's... She's the one who... I know Barnaby. <laughs> of course. Please. She won't ask. Shula, are you afraid to ask for healing? Yes. Do you have faith that I can heal you? Of course. Then why haven't you asked? You, you have so much to do, Rabbi. So many people need you more. I'm, I'm used to this. Shula, look at me. Look at you. I can't see you anyway. I want to see your face. 
You and Barnaby have been so kind and lovely from the first time I met you. And your faith has been so strong, even though you haven't seen a miracle. You redeemed my friend. Mary's miracle was so clear to me, I didn't need sight. I know. You see better than most in this region. But since your friend Barnaby here won't leave me alone, <laughs> This is about you. This is about her. Some other time, maybe. We'll see. You're a true friend. Well now, friends. We must all get home. Barnaby. She will still need you to walk her home. It's getting late. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Thank you. I'll take this from you. I don't think you'll need it anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait a minute. Here it is. My, my leg? Did you? Of course he did, Barnaby. Who else? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, Barnaby. <laughs> now, get Shula to her home. You can do it faster than normal tonight, huh? <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
I think their goals have made me cry. Uh, what a beautiful scene. Um, now I have to give you the reality that that scene took place hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. How can Judas have seen that and do what he did? It's extraordinary. But he wasn't the only one. There was a time, for example, he healed, I believe it was 10 lepers. And he told them to go to the priest. On their way, they realized they'd been healed of their leprosy. And only one went back to thank Jesus. Is that not extraordinary? Now, when he turned around, I'm sure, it doesn't say, but surely he said to the guys, we got to go back and celebrate this. we got to be thankful for this. And they just kept on walking. They got their miracle and they were done with Jesus. So when God says yes, celebrate. Be thankful for it. I love the scene for the response of those two people. Don't you know that there are people that responded in just that way? Life-changing but that didn't just happen in the first century. God has answered your prayers from time to time with a yes. How did you respond? Did you take your miracle and forget? Or did you remain faithful and celebrate? Number three, in Christ, God has already said yes to you and through you. I'll explain that. But this is so important. In Christ, God has already said yes to you and through you. I don't know why, but there is a passage in the New Testament I don't remember. I've never preached it to you before, and it's one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. I'm about to share it with you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Mark it and memorize it this week. There's my challenge to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it is one of the most beautiful, wonderful passages in the Bible, and it's all about yes. Listen to this. Talking to the church in Corinth. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? Yes, in Christ. Now he explains it. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, ultimately, what he's saying here is God already put his yes in us. God has already said yes to you in ways you and I cannot even imagine. Through Christ, because of his death on the cross, because he had power over death in the tomb, he's, he mentions three things that are God's yes to you and me in our life. Number one, he says in verse 21, he anointed us. Number two, in verse 22, he set his seal of ownership on us, which means the devil can't have us. This world can't have us. God owns us. His seal is on us. Never to be removed because he says in the next phrase, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God anointed us, he sealed us, and he put his Holy Spirit in us. Those three yeses overshadow anything else in life that could ever come against us. The ultimate gift, the ultimate yes. And that has already happened if you're a believer in Christ.
So he says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Doesn't mean that Jesus is just going to give you anything that you say, you know, if you want to trip to Disneyland, I don't know why you would. Or if you want to go to Europe or whatever you like, I don't know what you want, a new house, car, more hair. I'd love to have more hair. Well, that, that's not what he's talking about here. The yes that he's referring to is way beyond those small things. Now, there is one thing in here that you have to don't in this passage. Go back to the verse if you could. It's in, uh, it's in the first verse, verse 20. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the what? The Amen. Do you see that? And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now that confused me a little bit. Why did they stick an amen in there? Well, they were all good Baptists. That's my first theory. But isn't it interesting? Paul says uh, something about amen. Did you know that the word amen means so be it? It's a confirmation that says that's the truth. Did you know that saying amen is a part of your worship before God in the worship service. You're not the audience right now. God is the audience. Even though I'm looking at you and I'm yelling at you, you are not the audience. God is the audience. And the way that you participate along with the pastor is if I happen to say something that's God's truth, you say, amen. And by the way, that's biblical. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is having to deal with the church in Corinth because they were going crazy in the worship services. And the word crazy is not my word, it's Paul's word. Because they were misusing spiritual gifts. The ones who could preach, they were all getting up and preaching at the top of their lungs at the same time. The ones who had the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, everybody's just speaking in tongues and they're screaming louder than the next guy. And it's a big contest. And Paul said, because of that, people come in and they think you guys have completely lost your mind. He says, no, God's an, a God of order, not disorder. In the middle of that, um, he, he is uh, sharing with them. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> that happened. Amen. <laughs> Here's what Paul says. I just got it back. Thank you. <laughs> he says, Paul says this. He says, while well, you guys are screaming and yelling in church, how, and you're speaking in tongues that they can't even understand. He actually says this to them. He says, how can these visitors, how can they say amen if they don't understand what you're saying? Now, I have had the privilege of traveling to a number of countries in the world in a number of different languages. I've been to numerous worship services where they didn't speak a word of English the whole time. The prayers were in another language. The preaching was in another language. The songs were in another language. I had no idea what was going on. When they stood up, I stood up. They sat down. I sat down. And once they all started leaving, I left. Now, while the preaching was going on, I wanted to, to participate. Some of them were saying amen, but I didn't, I didn't want to yell amen because I didn't actually have any idea what they were saying. Paul says this was the problem. They were speaking in ecstatic tongues. Nobody knew what they were saying. So he said, you guys need to speak in a way that people can understand in worship so that they can participate in worship by saying amen. 
How about that? And so I just think that's beautiful. And so in the midst of all of that, in this passage, let me get back to the amen now. He says, and so through him, the amen, this is 2 Corinthians 1.20, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And so, again, as a part of our, our, our restoration in Christ, a part of God's yes to us, Yes, I give you my anointing. Yes, I give you my seal of ownership through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I give you a deposit that guarantees what is to come. And our response to God is, so be it. Absolutely. Amen. Um, so by the way, sometimes, men, we will be listening to our wife in a conversation and she's talking away, pouring out her heart. And we're thinking of something else. We're drifting. And every so often we'll say, yes, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh, yes. Thinking that they don't notice that we're not listening to a word they say. Now, not you or me, certainly it's the Methodists down the street. <laughs> and sometimes we'll get caught. We're not really listening. We're not paying any attention. And sometimes on Sunday morning, you can wonder and let your mind wander during the sermon. I, I, I hope that you're not doing that right now. And every now and then you just blur about an amen, but it doesn't really have any validity if you're not listening to the word of God. You could say amen and be sitting there thinking about your new pickup. But that's not worship. Worship is you listening to the word of God, responding to the word of God, confirming the word of God. Amen. All right. Fourth and lastly, when God says yes, it may be you. Now, I'll explain this too. Um, again, right out of the Bible, when God says yes, it may be you. We know that Joseph settled in Egypt and that amazing story way back in Genesis, but 400 years later, all of his descendants that we now know as the Israelites had been enslaved by Pharaohs who had no idea who Joseph was. They cried out to God for generations. God, deliver us. God, help us. They, they, they didn't see, of course, at the time that God had a, a plan for them that would culminate in the birth of Jesus Christ and that he needed them in the promised land, but it wasn't time yet, and his timing is always perfect. One of those who prayed for God to restore them and God to, to free them from their bondage was a man named Moses who fled, lived as a prince, even though he was an Israelite, as you know, spent 40 years in the wilderness shepherding sheep. And God is all the time preparing the situation, preparing Moses and everything for their deliverance. And so the day would come when God would say to Moses, yes. But it wasn't the yes that he was expecting. Look with me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, that famous passage. He's at the burning bush. God is speaking to him. He's taking his sandals off. And Exodus 3, 7 says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, 
uh, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So he tells Moses, I've got good news, Moses. I've heard the cry of the people. I've decided to respond. I'm going to deliver them. The answer is yes. But my yes to them is through you. Now Moses is standing there thinking, wait, wait, wait a minute. When I asked for a yes, I, I meant for another kind of yes. A yes that he wanted to watch from afar. He was shepherding the sheep. He was in the safe zone. He was retired. Don't pull me out of retirement. Send somebody else. He pled with him to send somebody else. He wasn't expecting that kind of yes from God. Go, I'm sending you. He didn't want to volunteer. Which brings up an important question. If God says yes to you, are you willing to go? Are you willing to be God's yes in this world? And a lot of times we don't want to do that. I tell you what I want. I want my yes on a silver platter with a side of chocolate. <laughs> Is that not what we want? Yeah, we don't want to be the yes. We want to get the yes, not be the yes. But God's plan for Azel, Texas, his yes, as far as sharing the gospel of Christ in this area, is you and me. We're God's yes in Azel. And if you want God to bless you, if you want God to give you the yes, he's waiting on you and I to become the yes. And so that's just how it works. God's yes sometimes is my answer. God says is yes through you. Are you prepared to be God's yes? If you see a needy family, don't say, God, would you help that family? Somebody, somebody needs to take care of that. Well, maybe God's saying, why don't you help them? You be my yes. If you see a need in this world, yes. Do you not all want to see every nation in this world evangelized? Do you not want to see or have everybody on this planet, all seven to eight billion of us, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and given the opportunity to come to faith in Christ? And we say, God, send your missionaries. Look out. God's yes might be you. <laughs> and so you might want to be thinking very carefully about that. You can be God's yes. Daryl Evans wrote a simple song about accepting God's yes. We, we haven't sung it in a while, but I really like it. I like it because I can remember it, and I can remember it because it's all basically one line. <laughs> uh, in the chorus, at least. He says this, I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. And here's the chorus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. Amen. <laughs> That's a good song. Amen. I like that right out of the scripture today. So I like the amount of yeses. Are you ready to say yes to God? You want God's yes, 
But sometimes God's yes requires our yes as well. Imagine, had Moses said no, oh, he'd have blown it in a big way. Judah said no. Many of the people that Jesus healed ultimately said no. Because when he was crucified, where were they? When he was going through his trial and his beating, where were they? There, there were enough that he healed just them to have an army go down and rescue him. But they were all gone. Where were they? This week, let God answer yes through you. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge sometimes we don't accept your yes. We want a yes, but then we struggle. Sometimes we take our blessing, we take our yes, we take our miracle, and we walk along life, and a week, a month, a year goes by, and we've forgotten all about it. How many times have you said yes to us, and yet we don't celebrate, we don't rejoice? Forgive us. And then we want you to say yes to us again. And you may be thinking, you didn't celebrate the last yes. You weren't faithful from the last yes. Why would I give you another yes? Father, we ask and pray that you would help us to count our blessings. Remember those times where your answer was clear to us. Yes. And we say thank you. We remember it. We will celebrate it always. In this church, Father, like so many churches by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands throughout the world and throughout time. You have called us and blessed us, redeemed us. You have grown us. Oh, you've given us so many yeses. From a tiny group of 15 or 20 to now nearly 500. From a tiny building to this beautiful facility. How many mission trips? How many ministries? How many lives changed? How many salvations? How many have gone through the waters of the baptistry to confess Christ as their Savior? How much have you done for this church? How many yeses? Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is for your glory not because we deserve it or we're worthy of it, but because you desire the best for us. You are for us that you allow us to be a part of your kingdom right here, right now. That you've redeemed us. You have anointed us. You have sealed us with the Holy Spirit and guaranteed us an eternity in heaven through him. Thank you. Thank you. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you this morning? Do you have a request to make of your God? Can you ask him, God, is your answer yes? I need your help. Some of you need physical healing. Some of you, it's a spiritual healing. Some of you need a, a healing in your relationships that you have with somebody close to you and you're, you're really struggling and you need healing. 
Listen, we need emotional healing just as much as we need physical healing. We need spiritual healing the most of all. We ask, if God's answer is yes to any of that, will you accept that yes? Will you rejoice in that yes? Will you celebrate that yes? And it may be you are asking something of a God and he's already decided that you are going to be his yes to this world, to this need. It may be to be a Sunday school teacher or children's worker. We always need those as our children's department is growing and busting at the seams. May it be to work with youth. It may be to mow the lawn or to paint things that need to be painted or fix things that need to be fixed according to the gifts that God has given you. Or it may be to surrender to the ministry, to preach or to become a missionary. Every missionary we have in this world comes from churches just like ours. God doesn't whip them up overnight. He doesn't get them somewhere else. It comes from churches and He may be calling you to share the gospel somewhere in this world. Maybe you're, you're His yes. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Would you stand? All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed as you stand. It may be God is calling you to give your life to Him. That's the first step, to surrender to Christ. You know you need to do that. You've thought about it many times. You've never come to the place to do that. Just come down and, and say, Pastor, I want to surrender my life to Christ. It isn't complicated. It's not easy, but it isn't complicated. It's very simple. You have to come to this place where you surrender yourself to Christ. You don't call the shots anymore. He is your Lord, the Bible says. And whatever your Lord tells you to do, you're going to submit to His will. You know that He died for you on the cross in your place because of your sins. Because we all sin. And because of that, we're separated from God. And only through Christ can that separation be removed because we are now forgiven through Jesus. And you believe in your heart what the Bible says is true, that he died and in three days he came back to life. And we take that in faith. And you want to confess him as your Savior today. Maybe God has called you or your family to join with First Baptist Church. You've been praying about that and his answer to you is yes. And you want to respond. Or maybe you just want to come and kneel and pray. Right now, God is giving you an opportunity. What is your answer? As we pray, do you